Hello, welcome to Dyslexia Explored. I'm Darius Nomderon, your host. And today I'm actually going to be the guest as well because something interesting's come up and I wanted to share it with you and I want to talk to you about writing essays, writing stories, in fact, with dyslexia. And I think this is a really interesting area to talk about because it really affects children with dyslexia get on in school and to actually enter into further education, the ability to write an essay that is well structured is a consistent challenge with dyslexia. And I'm going to talk a bit more about that in this podcast episode. So I'm going to kind of interview myself as it were. I just want to share with you some thoughts on this. Now, something interesting that's come up is that to our surprise, we were selected for the EdTech Awards 2021 in the UK. 62 companies applied for it and 10 were selected. Bullet Map Academy was one of them. It happens this Friday and there's a competition. Basically, 10 companies need to pitch their idea to the judges and the judges decide who the winner is and they become the semi-finalists or the the national winner of the EdTech Award and become a semi-finalist in the Global EdTech Awards. And to be honest with you, I was kind of like, well, we'll just apply and we'll see. And then when we saw the competitors and watched what they pitched last year, I was like, oh my goodness, how did we get selected? We are nothing compared to these guys. I'm just being honest with you. I, we, they were just, I, I was like, how, how is this happening? Uh, anyway, what I've done is I presented my three minute presentation, presented it to the chap and he gave me some feedback and he quite liked it. And I thought I'd share with you this three minute presentation and then I'll go on to talk about writing essays and go into depth with some of the things we've learned about writing essays with dyslexia and uh, you, the things we've learned over the last four years. So here goes. Here's what I would say at the EdTech Awards. This is your, your preview of it. It goes like this. Hello, I'm Darius Nomderon, founder and CEO of Bullet Map Academy. Our company provides online tutoring and apps for children with dyslexia. 10% of students have dyslexia and most are unaware of it. They struggle in an education system that's not designed for the way their minds work. It's widely understood that dyslexia affects reading. However, it also affects their ability to structure ideas into coherent essays. This means many intelligent children with dyslexia fail essential written exams, locking them out of further education. It's unfair. So we developed a system to equip these children to organize their thoughts visually and complete well-structured essays under exam conditions, giving them the same opportunities other children have. I'm dyslexic and my mission is to help 1 million children with dyslexia mind map by 2030. Over the last four years, we've designed a unique pedagogical tool and user experience our proprietary tool combines the best of mind mapping, Cornell notes, and seven dyslexia tutoring techniques into a one-page visual process. We call it the bullet map system. Before putting it into an app, we wanted to find product market fit. So we took the Y Combinator approach and worked directly with 100 paying users to find exactly what they needed 
and what they would pay for. We created a premium monthly subscription to parents who paid over £1,000 a year for one-to-one -one tutoring from our coaches in the Philippines via Zoom. Our yearly retention levels are over 75% and children consistently report better results at school, higher confidence and less anxiety. We found product market fit. We're now developing our product pathway. We built a free dyslexia screening app in-house to connect with potential clients, which is now top of the iPhone dyslexia search chart. Our next step is to create a mid-range product. We'll put the bullet map process into an iPad drawing app, which will be £15 a month or thereabouts. We'll integrate some machine learning to give some of the immediate feedback and guidance they would get from a tutor, because our goal is to develop a digital dyslexia assistant over time. Over the next seven years, we want to commission some double-blind research in schools so that it can be used in school. The opportunity presented by being successful today would go a long way towards our goal of seeing dyslexic children thrive in school and achieve their potential. Thank you for listening. So that's my three-minute pitch. I don't know, what do you think? It was actually two minutes, 52 seconds. They're pretty tough on uh, going past the three-minute mark. They cut you off uh, very quickly. So that's what I would pitch. And I just wanted to talk to you about something that we've kind of discovered. You know, in business development, app development terms, there's something called product market fit. And it's kind of like the holy grail of creating a, a tech product, which is... Can you create a product that fits what the market actually wants so much that they start telling their friends about it and people just sort of bite your hand off for it? That sort of thing. That's when you've got product market fit. And that's a very big difference between having something that works and something that has such a good user experience that they bite your hand off for it. And so that's what we've been looking for for the last four years. The bullet map process really works well with children and adults. But what we were looking for was, where is it that really helps them the most and sort of makes people realize, oh my goodness, this is exactly what I need. And, and that's what we've been kind of searching for. And, and so when you've got something that helps people with their reading, their writing, their memory tests and planning, it's a very broad spectrum tool. But what we found recently is that one of the biggest challenges children with dyslexia have is writing a story and a short story, like a creative writing story. It, it's absolute torture. For us, I remember it as a child. I also remember it with my own children and our students. If you're told by a teacher, oh, just write a little story about what you did over the weekend or at the school trip or on holiday or do a creative writing, you know, you start well, but then it just goes all haywire and you just, it gets complicated, convoluted, and it never ends and it becomes a torturous process to finish off when all the other kids have got the job done and handed it in, you're still doing it. And I've never understood why. Children themselves don't understand why, but we figured out why over the last four years. And I think maybe you'd be interested in hearing about that. So let me get super specific here now. One of the things that we've learned, I'm based in Scotland in the UK, 
and we've got students in America, Scotland and Australia. And what I've found is every English test, every English exam, whether it's Common Core, GCSE, NAT5, History, A-Level, in Australia, whatever it is, always has a creative writing component, which normally consists of writing a creative story, and it normally ends up being about 25% of the final mark. Now, this is an interesting thing because it's the place where children have the highest risk of losing marks with dyslexia and the highest potential of gaining marks if they can structure the essay well. And so it's a strange one because it's it's the we've identified this as the one place where if you put a small amount of effort, you get a disproportionate return on investment, as it were, in terms of grades for an exam. And it also what we're finding is it is the sort of beachhead for restoring a child's confidence in school. If they can feel like they could write a story in school independently and finish it under timed conditions, my goodness, what else can they do? They can write an essay, they can do a geography essay or a history essay or whatever, they just need to change the structure a bit. So that's what we've been doing. And one of the things we've come up with that's really caught the imagination of our, our students is something called the Story Star. And I want to share it with you just now. I know this is very visual. I've got a webinar where I'll be doing all of this visually and I can link it in the description. I'm going to try and create a word picture for you so that you can picture this in your imagination. But we'll also put in a PDF so that you can see what I'm talking about as well. So let me give you a, a, a typical scenario. In the UK, we have exams called the GCSE. You also get international GCSE. You get GCSE English language. And one part of that is called the, the writing part, the creative writing part. And what they do is they give you a picture of like a, a train going along a, a beachfront with waves crashing over it or a picture of two people in a bus that look very different. And you've got to write a story about that. Or they give you a story title and you can write a story for the title. So the story title might go, write a story about two people from very different backgrounds, full stop, that's it. Or write a description about a pet you have or have owned that has made a strong impression on you. Or write a story with the title Discovery. Okay, so that's generally the pattern. Over the last sort of five years, it's been write a story about a weather effect or about two people who are different or an unexpected event or discovery or a pet, etc. There's a kind of, those are the general themes. Now, one of the biggest problems with dyslexia is knowing when to finish the story. A lot of teachers say you need to write a story with a beginning, middle and an end. And this sounds good, but how? What, what's the difference between an ending and a middle? How do you know what the ending is? This is a huge challenge for people with dyslexia because often the children just write and write and write and they think, I've just written three pages, but the teacher looks at it, reads through it and says, that's just one big long beginning and a middle. There's no end to it. 
and so you've not completed the job and so you get deducted 30% of your mark straight away because you didn't finish the, the story. And so this feels a bit unfair, but it's just the reality of marking a short story. So we came up with something called the Story Star to help children understand this. And imagine a five-pointed star stuck in the middle of the page or slightly off the middle of the page. And at the top of the star, there's a face, a big smiley face. On the next spike, there's two eyes looking. And then the next spike, there's a foot. And then the next point is a hand. And then the final one is a crown. And what happens is I start with the face, then move to the eyes, then to the foot, then to the hands, then to the crown. And you go around the star to tell the story. And this is why. So the faces are there to remind the children to write down their ideas about the characters. Who are the two or three characters? Then the eye is the magic in the whole thing. The eyes are to remind you of what has the main character got their eye on? What are they wishing for? Are they wishing for, are they, want, are they making the wish that they want to get rich? They want to fall in love. They want to get revenge. They want to be popular. What is it that they want? And so once you know what they want, in every story, it follows this pattern. You get told who the characters are. You get told what the main character really wants. And then something goes wrong. A foot comes along and trips them up. And that's what the foot's for. Makes them fall flat on their face. And you start thinking they're never going to get what they want. Then the next step is the hand that comes out and helps them. Now that hand could be Yoda giving you, telling you about the force. Or it could be the karate kid uh, master who teaches martial arts. Or uh, a magic sword or a weapon or some wisdom or training, whatever it is that comes along and helps you overcome the thing that's tripping you up and stopping you. And they go through a process where they overcome and then there's the crown, the final step, where they get their reward. They get the thing that they had their eye on. And it's often not exactly the thing they had their eye on. It's often something different, but better. And that's the end of the story star. Now, this is really very helpful for, for children, uh, just on the basic level of visualizing, you know, the structure of the story. A teacher might take this and go, that's so good, that whole making a wish and so on. And they might create uh, a graphic organizer for it, for example, you know, make it two or three pages, put boxes in different places, you know, character one, character two, you know, the wish, the, the foot, the hand, the crown, etc. But do you know what? It visualizing like that really helps. But the moment it goes into boxes, often children with dyslexia don't structure their thoughts in boxes. They structure their thoughts in maps. They don't think of it in terms of lists. They think of it as a landscape. And so what we do at Bullet Map Academy is we get the children to take all of their random thoughts and bullet point it down the side of the page. And then they take the keywords and drop them into the structure of the star. Now, this is where something interesting happens. And what I want to do is I want to actually take you through 
the process of a student who's been through this process. And it's a bit of a revelation when you see it in real life. And uh, I'm sorry you can't see the pictures, but I'm going to give you a good description of it. The bullet map process has got seven dyslexia tutoring techniques embedded in it. Okay. I'll just run through some of them for you and, and show you. It's very simple having everything on one page and the simplicity of a design. It's like an iPhone. Just because it looks simple doesn't mean it's doing something really complex and beautiful behind it. And that's what's happening with the uh, bullet map star here. Because the first thing we do is we get the children to empty their mind into a bullet point list. Now, what's happening here? bullet point list is really clever way of working with someone with dyslexia. First of all, it empties their working memory just to get everything out of their head. Secondly, instead of getting them to write it down as sentences, you're taking away the grammar side of things. You're telling them it's okay, you don't need to think about punctuation or commas or capitals or whatever, just write random words in a bullet point, and that's still a legitimate bullet point. So that takes a lot of the cognitive load out of getting stuff out of their head. Once you've got the bullet points, their brain is empty. So that's the first step. Second step is to go through the bullet points and start underlining key words. This is an executive function skill where you're trying to prioritize and identify the key ideas, which doesn't come naturally to children with dyslexia. They often look at those, you know, 40 words that are sitting there thinking, they're all important, I don't want to lose any of them. And you're like, it's okay, you're not going to lose any of them. We're just going to underline a few and see which ones kind of pop out. And so that process starts to sort of rise the key words up like, cream rising to the top of milk. And often the good idea is at the bottom of the bullet list and things are in the wrong order and that's okay. So that's the second thing. Then the third thing that we're doing is we are organizing the ideas visually and that's so important with dyslexia. Each one of the branches have got different colors so that's a, a key executive function skill and process. And then what we do is we take the key words and we go and place them onto the relevant parts of the map. The story star itself, that's another key element with dyslexia, is to have a scaffold or a structure of thought. So you're kind of structuring your thought so that it follows a, a, a pathway through what you're thinking or learning. And this is so helpful for people with dyslexia because often we think in, in a broad landscape, seeing lots of different things all at once and seeing all their connections, but we're not natural at sort of creating a, a journey through that information that is a pathway through it. And so if we've got a scaffold or structure of what are the faces? What does the main person want? What are the problems that are getting in the way? What's the, the guide that comes along and what's the reward? We can take this landscape of what we're seeing and imagining and put it into that structure that clearly communicates to someone else. So that's another thing. And another element in all of this is that 
you know, dyslexia tutoring technique is that we use the story star and talk through the story out loud. So before we go straight into typing it out or writing it out, we just sort of internally talk through, we point through it and we talk through it and so on. And it just consolidates it in our mind. It's auditory processing. We're using our working memory, the auditory loop and the visual loop in our working memory to sort of encode this information and start getting it into our long, short-term and long-term memory and getting it out of our working memory just by processing it like this. And it feels like the child's kind of got their head around it. They've got their um, hands around it, you know, and that's a very satisfying feeling before we get into the writing stage. And then what we do is instead of putting the piece of paper away and saying, right, okay, I'm ready to write it, we actually use the structure to write it. So we go through two or three key words that are off one of the branches and we write a sentence. Another two or three words and we write a sentence. And what happens is we start following this flow and our writing has a flow to it. Okay. So those are seven. There's there's a few other in there, but those are the main seven dyslexia tutoring techniques that are kind of encoded into the design, designed into the bullet map process. Now, here's where it gets kind of interesting from a parent's point of view or a teacher's point of view, because when you start going through this process with a child, often you find that you end up starting lots of writing projects and then just never finishing them properly. And either you end up doing it for them or pretty much doing it for them, or it doesn't get done, or it just ends up being like a half done draft that will do. And on the basis that, oh, eventually they'll get it. Well, year after year goes by and often they become 14 year olds and they've got an exam coming up in a year's time where they've got to write a short story and you know that they can't write a story with a beginning, middle and an end in under 45 minutes that will pass the grade. And they know it too. And there's either two reactions to this complete stress or they just shut down and say, no, I can't be bothered. I can't do it. Now, what does it actually take from our experience to get a child to the point where stage one, they can write a story with a beginning, middle and end. And then stage two, can they write a story with a beginning, middle and interesting end? Stage three, can they write the story independently in school without a tutor telling them this is the next step, that's the next step. And then the last stage, can they do it in exam conditions? So let me simplify that down. How to finish a story in school exams. So we've got finish a story in school in exams. And these are three different levels of challenge. And the child can stumble and fall at each one of them. And it doesn't matter how good you are at writing a story. If you can't do it in exam conditions, you're not going to pass that English exam. So that's our personal goal for the children and that could become really big in our mind. You know, up until now, I have to say what we've done is we've said it's just been a huge triumph. So many parents are like saying this is just such a huge triumph that a child can actually write a story from beginning, middle and an end. And they're so chuffed with that. What we find is that can take somewhere between four to seven sessions, depending on the 
difficulty with dyslexia session is about 45 minutes. Okay, so that gives you an idea of let's count everything in sessions. And then we get them to do it again this time, going through the same process and writing a different story. And often it takes about four to five or six sessions. So let's say five sessions. And once they've written that story, we will now help them remember the story map that they drew. Okay. And then they redraw it as if they're in a test. So a lot of people who do English tests or exams that are creative writing ones or have a creative writing component, you can be forgiven for thinking that you're meant to be creative and write a creative story in the exam and to create a story in the exam. But anyone who's successful at this writes a story they already know, a story they've already practiced. And they'll probably have four or five different stories they've already practiced with different characters, different elements in it. And they will pick and mix from the different characters, different situations and different items in the story because stories often made up of a character like Winnie the Pooh, like Paddington Bear, an item like a suitcase and a location like London. And so you, you create the story out of those three things and they can pick and mix and apply what they've already learned and rewrite it in the story. With dyslexia, often we can't rewrite it from our memory. My memory's terrible. I can't memorize these sorts of things. But what I can do is memorize a picture. And so what the children do is they redraw the star and redraw the first face with a face to do with their story, redraw the eyes, which is, you know, maybe they want to fall in love. So it's got a love heart on it. Redraw the foot. Maybe it's, you know, a, a, a spaceship that shot them down or whatever. And so gradually they can redraw that map really quickly in the exam within like three minutes. And they redraw the keywords and so on that are in it. And they've got their essay structure in the exam and they rewrite their essay. Or maybe just add some keywords and adapt it and so on. And then they use the map to structure their essay. And so we might spend three sessions with them doing that um, so that they can build up that capacity to do it in a, in a stressful situation like school and then in an exam situation. So then we would say, see that second story you did in the second phase? Why don't we redo that in exam conditions? You know how to do it, memorized how to take a map and redraw it as a flash map inside of your exam and then to write it out. So we create a 45 minute session where they can try it out and do that in a safe space. We haven't actually done this yet. We're just about to do that. So it's going to be interesting to see what we've learned going through this experience, because often you just rely on the school to do that and say, oh, the school will do past papers with you in the classes and so on. But from our experiences, often when we think, oh, the school will do it, the, the child with dyslexia is kind of politely nodding their head in effect, but it's going past them a bit. They're not getting the full process. And they're not mastering the process. And so, as you can tell, there's multiple processes here. Like I said, you know, write a story with a good ending in, in school under time pressure. Each one of them is a different level of mastering the process. Now, what I think might be fun is to read out a story before and after of a child who's kind of gone through this process and 
a kind of before and after. So if you think of the bullet point list, if you just wrote down a bullet point list of all your ideas you're going to do in that story in those 40 minutes, and you write down the bullet point list and you think, right, I've got my ideas. I'm going to go and write this out properly compared to putting it through the filter of the story star before you go and write it. What would the difference be in the quality of the story? Well, let me give you just one example of one of our students. He's answering the question, write a creative short story about a bank robbery. And so the, these are some of the thoughts that he had uh, that he put down in a bullet point. I'll just read them out. So it goes bank robbery, a perspective of a bank robber telling his first bank robbery, bank robbers first time. He does it with some professionals who've been in and out of prison going to rob a bank in London day before they're brainstorming their plan. They planned it out in one of the robbers houses. They were able to rob the bank with difficulty. The police got there in the middle of the robbing. They got out in a getaway vehicles. Robbers got to the bank at 10 a.m. Saturday morning. One of the robbers went in and asked to speak to the manager, stormed in with guns and masks on. The manager comes and speaks. A few minutes later, he steals her keys to where the money is and the other robbers all storm in shouting get down everyone's on the bank floor even the staff behind the counters um the robbers are called eagle monkey seagull and wolf they're 30 to 40 years old and tiger tiger's telling the story he's 18 and is the youngest two robbers stand by the entrance making sure everyone behaves wolf and eagle monkey seagull tiger are safe to get the money and go the taxi driver for criminals works as a getaway car. The police turn up when they're loading the money into the car. Four police cars turn up with guns, got out the car and said, stay where you are. Seagull takes the shot, misses and hits and misses the car. So that's generally speaking, all the thoughts the young boy had. And then he put it into the story star. He drew out the story star and he put the various pieces into the story star. And this is the interesting thing, because if you were to look at this picture of the story star, you would see that there's lots of information on the characters and there's lots of information on the things that go wrong, the foot, the police, uh, the shooting and all of that. And there's a little bit of information about what the character really wanted, you know, to rob. And then there's a hand which has one little taxi on it and there's nothing on the final um crown um branch so immediately once you do this the child can see where the gaps are and that's the important thing is when you're reading through it you can't always feel where the gaps are maybe other students can but being able to use your visual strength to put it all down and visually spot straight away oh there's a gap there there's a gap there why have i not said anything about the reward at the end why have i not said anything more about the um actual you know hand that helps so what the child does in the next session so that was session one and two in the next session three they talk it over with their coach and start adding in to where the gaps are okay and then once they've done that third session, in session four and five, he speaks it out and voice to text dictates it, okay? We find dictating is really helpful to keep the flow. And this is what this, how the story reads in comparison. 
Uh, so this is what happens when it comes out of the filter of the story star. So it'll take me uh, three minutes to read this through. So it goes like this, bank robbery. Hi, I'm Tiger. Back when I was 18, I wanted to rob a bank, so I did. I've always been into shoplifting when I was a teenager, but when I turned 18, I wanted to go into robbery professionally. So I met a team of robbers who brought me up to the standards of robbing. They took me out on their jobs to rob. Lloyds Bank in London on a Saturday morning at 10 a.m. We planned the robbery beforehand at one of the robbers that we call Eagle. All of the robbers in the squad has a name of an animal. In the team, we've got me, Eagle, Seagull, Monkey and Wolf. Everyone else was older and professional and there was me, a rookie and young. When we went to rob the bank, Seagull walked in while the rest of us were waiting outside in the taxi. I'll explain about the taxi later. Seagull walks in and he asks to speak to the manager. The manager walks over to him and asks, how can I help you? Seagull head bumps her and steals her keys. The rest of them stormed in with masks and guns, shouting, get down. All the customers and staff of the bank get down on the floor fighting for their life. Monkey and Wolf guarding and making sure everyone remains quiet, while the rest of them go through the safe to get the money and gold. Eagle, Tiger and Seagull start loading all the money and valuable items into the sacks. We took most of the gold before leaving the bank and loaded everything into the taxi, which was when the police turned up. There were five police cars coming in all directions. Seagull shouted, the police are here, wrap it up. The taxi driver, still sitting there in his car, shouted, I'm giving you 30 seconds to get in the car and we're going. Monkey and Wolf ran out the bank while the police officers got out of their cars and pointed their guns at us. One of the officers shouted, armed police, get down. Seagull shot at them. The police opened fire while it was getting into the car. Seagull took multiple shots in anger, missing every shot. Seagull got in the taxi. Driver drove off. It all happened so quickly and they all got in the car just in time. The taxi drove off with everyone in the car. Now I'll just pause there because that all sounds quite familiar, doesn't it? And it could have a little bit more story carrying on like that. Then this is where it goes. Well, a taxi driver is no ordinary taxi driver, so he's a getaway vehicle for all criminals across London. So we booked him for this job. In certain situations, he gives us options to pick from, which requires a lot of money, which is what happened this situation. The police were right behind us and we couldn't really get away. So taxi driver gave us options to pick from. Number one, continue driving, which would mean that we'd get caught. Number two, we crashed the car, which would mean we could die in the car crash, but the driver would survive because he got a jetpack ready for him to get away if needed. Number three, drive into the river, which would mean that we could escape from the police. So there was a lot of shouting when deciding which one we would decide. Eventually, we decided to drive into the river. The driver said, great, £50,000, as he drove straight off the bridge into the river. Splash. The moment we crashed into the river, everyone tried to get out of the car, but the doors were locked and we couldn't get out. Water was pouring into the car. All five of us were screaming and shouting for help and the driver was just sitting there clicking a few buttons. Wolf shouted at the driver, what the hell? Fix it. I can't get out. We sunk below the surface of the water and all of us were dreading when suddenly all the water disappeared from the car. Green lights turned on inside the car. It was as if the car was a submarine. 
We could see outside, we could see the fish, and what lives below the surface of the river. Everyone was quite in shock. The driver started showing us around the river, and as he drove the boat around, the police couldn't find us, which was great to get away from them. After three hours, we surfaced. The police were no longer there, but unfortunately, we did have to pay the driver £50,000 for doing the job for us. It was a great first experience of my bank robbery. It was a lucky escape, and I have someone who I work with today who's just like him. I'm now 50. I've got my own company which trains robbers to get up to standard with the modern day robbing and I've got a team who are working under me who are doing about one robbery a week. I have a fantastic career in all types of robberies and I'm looking to retire. Now you tell me, can you see the difference when a child gets to have the head space to structure their ideas and then turn it into a story? Because what you just heard there was the difference between just taking it straight out of your head in random order and being overwhelmed by the thoughts and the ideas and the words compared to getting them all, all out your head, seeing where the gaps are, filling those gaps, and then writing that story in a structured way. This podcast is sponsored by DyslexiaProductivityCoaching.com, which helps you organize yourself creatively with a productivity system for Apple devices. And what a story that is. And he's not alone. I've got another student who wrote a story called The Little Fish and the Garden of Love. She's published it on Amazon, and it's it's a children's book on Amazon now, this uh, 13-year-old girl. Evie Martin lives in Northern Ireland with her mum, dad, and big sister, Emma. Evie has mild dyslexia, but it doesn't stop her from loving to write stories and poems. Little Fish and the Garden of Love was written by Evie during a summer club run by Bullet Map Academy in 2020 when she was 12 years old. Now, disclaimer, she's the one with the talent. Actually, what I'll do is I'll let you hear Evie retelling the story herself. Okay, um, so Little Fish in the Garden of Love. Okay. Um, once long ago, in the underwater kingdom, a fish lived with his granny, who was filled with wisdom. One day he was told a story by his gran of a place filled with happiness, a magical land. It was called the Garden of Love. Early the next morning, Little Fish's bag was packed. He was going to find that garden, and that was a fact. Little Fish swam away to the great coral reef, where he spied an octopus hiding behind a leaf. He swam up to the octopus and asked if she knew about the Garden of Love and where it grew. And she said, where fallen ships lie and sunken treasure awaits, the Garden of Love a lonely shark contemplates. Little Fish knew where to go next, so he headed straight for the sunken shipwreck. He started searching and soon found the shark, and he then asked the shark to set some light in the dark. And he said, where little children play and the sand meets the sea, the garden of love will forever be. Little Fish knew exactly where to go, so he headed to the shore, swimming tired and slow. When he arrived, he met a lovely starfish and asked her what she knew about his wish. And she said, 
Where you feel safe and sound and your heart flies like a dove, there you will find the garden of love. Suddenly he knew of only one place that could be, so he swam straight there, his heart full of glee. At his destination he found the garden at last. His gran was there reading a book and she looked very downcast. And he said, I'm home to his gran, as he gave her a hug. He knew at last he'd found the garden of love. Now, I'm not sure if you noticed, but in that story, there was a face, the fish and the gran. There was uh, an eye, a wish to find the garden of love. There was a foot, which was constantly having to go here and there and getting distracted by where he thought it might be, by his expectations, the problem. His expectation was that he thought it was somewhere else. And then the hand, which was the riddle at the end of where the garden of love would be. And then he discovers the crown, which is the garden of love. He gets to the garden of love and it's not exactly where he thought. It was his gran all along. Sometimes you end up in the same place, but it's better because of the journey you went on. And there you've got it. You've got the story star in one place. And what can we learn from this? I think we can learn that we can overcomplicate the story if we don't have a way of organizing our thoughts and structuring an essay that is succinct and gets to the point. Now, both these students and many others have learned how to do that. Our next challenge is, can we do that in an exam situation under pressure? Even if you're given extra time with dyslexia, often you can't because you just ramble on. So it's not a time thing, it's an organization thing. And so what we teach the children to do, and I'm telling you everything, you're, you're learning everything, the whole technique. Uh, what I teach children to do is to go into the exam and redraw the star. So let's say Evie went into the exam and it said, write a story about a garden. Okay. And so she decides, oh, I'll turn that into the garden of love. That would be a really cool garden story. So what she would do is she'd quickly draw the story star. She'd have the, the gran and the fish on the, 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 the face, and then she'd have the eyes on the garden of love, and, and she'd just write down the key words and ideas around there, and she'd have it structured. Of course, she'd give it a, she could give it a try and go straight into the story and start writing it from memory, but you can reliably say with dyslexia, your working memory will start failing you quickly, and you'll start getting muddled. And so you just dump it all into this structure and have a visual outline, and then you use that outline to keep you on track. And she'll write that story and it'll get done and it will get excellent marks. Now, there are some children whose grammar is terrible and their vocabulary is terrible and their spelling's terrible. But do you know what? If you look at the marking rubric, they only count for about 35 to 40% of the marking scheme. The other three quarters of the marks, 30% goes to the structure of the story. And the other 30% goes to the content of the story. So both of these stories would high, mark very highly on content, very highly on structure. And maybe the grammar and spelling and so on doesn't get a huge mark out of it. So out of 25 in the GCSE, they might get 20. But do you know what? If they didn't have that structure and so on, they might only get five. 
they'd immediately lose the 10 on the grammar and then they'd lose lots on not finishing the story and not having good structure etc and they might only get five out of the 25 or seven out of the 25 so they've made a jump of about 10 to 15 percentage marks on the whole exam just from that one story and that can mean the difference between passing or failing their final english exams at high school and so that's pretty much where that's the point i'm trying to make how important it is to take something as simple as writing a short story which I know to you, if you don't have dyslexia, that might seem pretty simple. But to me and the other students that we help, it is like a monster, like a terrifying boss in a computer game that you just can't get by no matter what you do. And then I come along with this little story star technique and all of a sudden it feels like you've got the weapons to level this boss and you do and we see it with children and once you beat that boss you can change the star you can change the star to saying parents will say well is it possible to take all your thoughts and then put it into a different structure and it, it is so let's say you take a persuasive essay what are the component parts of a, a structure of a persuasive essay we've got like a a persuasive fence or for example a descriptive essay we call that the descriptive window. So you could, for example, take all the same ideas of the robbery in the bank and put it into a different structure and you would get a different essay. You would get a different product or result. So it's kind of like if you've got a bunch of Lego pieces, which is all your ideas, and then you're given a structure for a different kind of vehicle. Maybe it's an off-road vehicle. Maybe it's a three wheeled trike or whatever. It's still a vehicle. It's still an essay, but it's, it's for a different purpose. And that's what the teachers are looking for. Can you take your ideas, your knowledge, and structure it for a purpose? And that's often where intelligent, highly intelligent children with dyslexia or typical children with dyslexia fall down because they can't structure that information. They just blurt it all out in any old order, hoping their machine gun technique will maybe hit the mark. And often it doesn't. So I hope I've done it justice with my words and uh, painted a good picture for you of the process. And if you're a parent and you're wondering what this all looks like, then I'll put a PDF link in below so you can see the story star and the bullet map process. And I've got a webinar on this, which uh, talks through all of this, these stages that I I've been telling you about with the pictures and the maps as we go through. So you can see it all there. Or if this is enough for you and you think, oh, my goodness, my child is really struggling with writing for their English and they're going to be facing that in the next two or three years, then, well, actually, you can start doing this when you're eight years old. And I highly recommend starting to learn how to write a short story when you're eight in school conditions, because that will serve you well for every year of um, your school and high school. But it's certainly important for someone who's a couple of years away from an English exam to be able to write a short story in exam conditions. And what we found is we can do all of this in somewhere between 15 to 20 sessions. Now you might think, 
that's really long, or you might think that's really quick. Uh, you'll think that's really long if you haven't ever taught a child how to write a story. If you have tried to uh, teach a child with dyslexia to write a story, you might think that's really short. We can actually teach a child to write a story from beginning to end that they'll be really proud of within six to seven sessions. And then what we do is it goes like this. So it's seven sessions for the first story, then five sessions for the second story. So we're up at 13 sessions. Then we spend three sessions rewriting the first story in test conditions as it were. So they memorize, learn how to memorize the map. That's part of the sessions, how to create memory maps. And then one more session where we do it in exam conditions. So that all adds up to 7 plus 5, 13 plus 3, 15 plus 1, 16. So about 16 sessions. And if you've ever done a dyslexia quiz, which I highly recommend you do, depending on your score in that quiz, I would say if you got like under 80 in that quiz, 0 to 80, you could probably do that in four sessions for this first set first one and then three sessions for the second and then two sessions and then one session if you got 80 to 90 it would probably be that seven five three one pattern and if you were in the 90s or 95 it might take eight or nine sessions the first time and then six sessions then four sessions then two sessions so you're talking somewhere between 12 and 20 sessions, depending on your strength of dyslexia. Now, this is not a criticism of people with dyslexia at all. It's just a practical reality. What we find is that, let's say you're less dyslexic or you're not dyslexic and you go through this process, it'll really help you. Unless you're under about a 20, if you're under 20, you probably look at this and go, I don't need that map. I've just got it in my head as a, as a structure already. I'll go straight to writing the essay and that's fine. Go do it. But for those of you that are above a 20, it'll really help. But what, what happens is just before, just because you do it faster, what it means is some people will do it faster, but they'll be less creative. And those who take longer, the dyslexic ones, are slower at developing the process and learning the process, but they have a huge amount of creativity. So it's this trade-off between fast at the process and low creativity or slow at the process and high creativity. The problem is that most people who are slow at the process, people with dyslexia, don't have a process they ever finish. And so that's what we do at Bullet Map Academy. We ensure you finish the process and you get a finished essay. And we've, we're confident at doing that because most of the ways that the school does it with like the burger or the ice cream or the stick man, there's lots of different techniques for doing a story with a beginning, middle and end or teaching children to do a story with a beginning, middle and end. But many of them don't work with a child with dyslexia. They just don't get to that ending. They've got overwhelmed by their ideas. And so if they find a process that is visual like this, that allows them to get that creative order and structure, they finish it and then their creativity comes out, just like the submarine taxi robber and the little fish in the garden of love. So if you're interested in that, please get in touch with Bullet Map Academy and see if we've got availability. I know at the moment we've got availability for 12 students. If we don't have availability, you can join our waiting list. And when we get to 10 students, we can go and train another tutor who will come and teach your child 
uh, the bullet map process. So get in touch with bulletmapacademy.com and subscribe and uh, you really will not regret it. Uh, I can assure you, you won't regret it. Oh, there's also a 30 day money back guarantee with that as well. So if your try, child tries it out for four sessions and they find that it's not quite right for them, then that's fine. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode where I just kind of told you I wanted to talk more about the background of how we got to this stage. But I, I don't think, you know, I, I need to go into the background in, in this session. But uh, suffice to say, this didn't all just happen. Over the last four years, working intensively with these hundred uh, premium uh, subscription students uh, weekly with our tutors from the Philippines, tutoring them, the, the parents have loved it, the children have loved it, and we've learned so much. We've got faster at doing them, we've found out what works, what doesn't work, what we can speed up and what we can't speed up. And that's one of the keys. You know, we, we really do want the children to get there as fast as possible, but slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And sometimes if you go straight to fast, you just fumble the ball and you just keep fumbling the ball and you never get there. And so we've, it's taken us a, a, a while to, to find the right process to get them there reliably and fast in dyslexia terms as it were so that when they can get to that exam and they sit down and they write that story fast in that 45 minutes yes they do do it fast they do a really fast map which you know wasn't fast to create but it was fast to remember and get down as a structure and then they write the story fast because they've got a well-structured succinct story that gets written within the time limits and that's fast so that's a beautiful thing i hope you've learned a lot from that and that's been helpful for you thank you i will see you in the next podcast with a guest this that time that isn't me okay see you later bye this podcast is sponsored by dyslexiaproductivitycoaching.com it's my day job when i'm not hosting this podcast tell me do you know what you want to achieve in the workplace, but you're struggling with how to achieve it? Maybe you suspect some traits of dyslexia are getting in the way. Well, that's where dyslexia productivity coaching comes in because we give you a simple productivity system for your Apple devices that harnesses the creativity that comes with your dyslexia. It includes proven methods like note-taking, reminders, speech-to-text, mind mapping, and more, all tailored to your needs. It'll free up your time and help you achieve outstanding results. Book a complimentary call to discuss it with me. And if you do it soon, I may also be available to coach you personally via Zoom. So don't be shy. Go to dyslexiaproductivitycoaching.com or swipe up and book it now.